Episode number 31, Jason D, and I'm not bragging. Mm. You're back from Las Vegas. Welcome back in Thank one you. piece. Thank you, yeah. But you didn't get my bet down because we never talked we about it. We did not. And I had a couple. I was thinking uh, one on the NCAA tournament that I'd have you make for me mm-hmm. and one on the Masters. Oh, you didn't mention that one. I didn't mention that, but I thought of it after I got off the mm. phone with you the last time. So can you do me a favor and go back <laughs> No, and make my wages no. for me? I've, I've had all of the Vegas I can stand. Did you stay with two, two get rounds of golf or did you get a third round of golf in? Because the last episode you said, I think the words were, golf was in my rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. You had already played twice. Yes. You went down there early to play golf. And, and then you said, that's it. I'm cutting it off. And then we all started thinking here on Twitter, wait a second, there's opportunities here. Mm-hmm. There's another opportunity, at least one, maybe yeah. two more opportunities to play some GOLF. What happened? Did not play. Did not play. Except for Saturday. <laughs> so you played. Yeah. You played on Saturday. I did. I snuck one in on Saturday you morning. You snuck one in on Saturday. I did. Come on. I snuck it in. Where'd you sneak it in? Anywhere Play- that we would know no. of? Mm-mm. No. No. So golf was good in Vegas. You yeah. like that? You like that? I've only played. I've only played like one course in Vegas, and it doesn't even exist anymore. It's not even there. It was blown up. It was like the old Desert Inn golf course. Okay. And that's it. That's it. I've never played golf. That's one round. One round into the old bad. Desert Inn golf course. There's I don't know. Good, good I don't tracks. know golf in Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know golf in I Vegas. I do know golf in Vegas after being in Vegas for many, many years of the Pac-12 tournament, but also many, many years of pre-Pac-12 tournament, just going to Vegas, playing golf. Okay. Yeah. You and I are going to go back to Vegas, and we're going to play Shadow Creek before it's all said and done. Bucket list item. We're going to check. Okay. We're going to check the bucket list item off. Off. Uh Okay, so you're back in one piece from Vegas today on episode number 31. One more visit with Mr. Brackettville, Dave Amon, mm-hmm. who did very, very well. I would say, if I was grading his test, he did very, very... He's going to tell you how well he did. 68 teams are in the, in the tournament. He got right. 67 of them. Now, some of them are given to him because they're conference tournament winners, but I think there's like 36, 36. at-larges, so he yes. goes 35 out of 36... Only Belmont got in that he said wouldn't get in. So that's it. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to seating, he'll tell you that like 40 of his of his at-large or 40 of the field, you don't know what the seeds right. of the field are going to be. He got 40 like right on the money and 20 within within one. So Dave Amon from Brackettville will also help us fill out our bracket. He's got some thoughts oh. on some, some teams that were given good opportunities, some diamonds in the rough which you're going to want to know as we uh, get started on episode 31. And then the head coach of North Dakota State, he was on the old radio show Mm -hmm. when he was a first year, one of the youngest head coaches in college basketball. And in his first year, he took them to the NCAA tournament. That was four years ago. Four years later, he's going back, and I hope that he remembers me from the old days. Mm -hmm. We're we're all four years older, but (laughs) North Dakota State is going to the NCAA tournament. We've got our brackets. We do. I, I printed one out for you. I got you. it right you here. got it right there. I, I left you a beer from Zeke's. Yep, you sure did. I, I left you a bracket. I left you a microphone. I left you headsets. You're all taken care of. As we get started on episode number 31, Mitch Unfiltered is available on all the big podcast platforms like Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere you turn, iTunes, listen, subscribe, and rate. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Make sure that you click on all the previous episodes that you haven't heard because that Mm -hmm. helps us. 
You can become a patron. We want you for as little as $5 a month. We've got tons and tons of content, interviews with I don't know how many NCAA basketball coaches that are going to the NCAA tournament. It's all brought to you by Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest right here in Bellevue with offices in Portland, San Francisco, and the Napa Valley, managing over $2 billion in assets, Zeke's Pizza, all of its fabulous locations. There's no better place to have some pizza, craft beer, one of which you're having right now, all while watching a sporting event. I'm going to the Tacoma location. I guess I'm going this Friday. 3.40 p.m. I'm going at 3.40 Pacific time on Friday to watch Washington against Utah State. Correct. At the Tacoma location of Zeke's. You'll be in Columbus, home of the Buckeyes, mm-hmm. broadcasting that back on radio. Friday at 3.40 p.m. is tip. Okay. We'll probably be on PM. the air at 3 o'clock, I'd imagine. Do you know if you're the first of that session or the second of that session? I, I actually tweeted out the times of okay sounds like the first game doesn't it to you of the second session of the second session yeah that's yeah, what it sounds yeah, like yeah it to sounds me. like yeah it sounds like sounds w- like w- that to yep. me anyway anybody that's down in the Tacoma area paging anybody who can get away from the office it's a friday i know it's a little early you know it's a it's a you what's the first time they've been in the NCAA tournament since yeah 2010 11 2010 11 mm-hmm. 340 come join me Zeke's Pizza on the UW Tacoma campus their newest location right there in Tacoma and Daniel's Broiler whether it's a birthday anniversary or another special occasion you just won't find a better spot to celebrate with the best steaks anywhere fabulous seasonal seafood and the service and ambiance to match Leshy Marina South Lake Union Bellevue Place on the second floor of the new Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle, Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses. Here it comes. March Madness is here. It's the NCAA Tournament version of episode number 31. Unfiltered. It's okay to have a game plan going in, but when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity unfiltered guess that's what really kind of infuriates me that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you that's a quarterback who's the face of the organization that's a quarterback who as i say in a couple of years or in a year they're going to give i don't know 25 30 million dollars a year to And yet, it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, do this. Yeah. Do this. Come on, it's one of the best days over the calendar year when you see your alma mater's name. Mm -hmm. The CBS Selection Show. I get to see Syracuse. You get to see Washington. Yep. You get to see Washington for the first time in a long time. It's got to be a top top five day in sports over the calendar year. Top three? Probably top five. Top five. Top five. What, what What would I say Sunday in April? Augusta National. See, mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing. People who don't like golf are going, what are you talking about? Um, I also love two others that I'll... That I'll one is the NCAA tournament. Like like at 9 o'clock Pacific time on Thursday, when we turn on the TVs, wherever you are, your computers, and... A.M. That's the best part. Yes. A.M. And they toss the ball at the first place, and then all yes. of a sudden you got four games going, and it's a one and dunner. And then I also love 10 a.m. Pacific time 
week one, Sunday number one of the NFL season. Mm -hmm. And I also love opening day. I'm a big baseball guy, so I love opening day. Everybody's aces are on the mound Mm -hmm. against everybody else's aces in opening day and baseball's here. So I would say... How How about Super Bowl Sunday? See, Super Bowl Sunday would not be high on my okay, list. Well, you know how I felt about this past year's Super Bowl. I <laughs> didn't even want to watch it. but And that's why it's not high on my yeah. list. I like Super Bowl Opening Sunday. Opening day, day, college football first weekend is awesome. Huge. Except for the fact that most of the teams are playing cupcakes. And it's it doesn't like a, matter. Just they're it, winning by, it yes, starts, it feels good. Yes. It feels good. But I don't think any of those, like Super Bowl Sunday, once your team's eliminated, like when you go through the ringer with the Seahawks, mm-hmm for 17 weeks, and then you get into the postseason, and maybe they win one or they don't win one, and then they're out. You kind of – don't you kind of withdraw from football a little bit? So the Super Bowl is a little – I mean, it's a great day in American sports, but if you don't have a team, you don't have a rooting interest. I don't think – I agree. I I think that these days – so we got the – Yeah, got the paper. We got the paper. paper. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got to talk about this. Let me start right from the beginning, and you are probably more knowledgeable about the product than I am, and and that is the first ever, first ever, Mitch Unfiltered Madness Bracket Competition. Fantastic. You liked it. Loved it. So what are we talking about for the people that are hearing this for the first time? Maybe you heard me talk about it in recent episodes. We put together a bracket contest like everybody else. I happen to think, and I'm just obnoxious enough to think, that ours is the best. Mm. We partnered with uh, a group called runmypools.com. You go to mitchunfiltered.com right there at the top of the top of our page. It says click here for madness, unfiltered madness. Right. And you fill out your bracket. I think it's a great program. You went through the process. I have not gone through the process Yeah, yet. easy sign up, name, screen name, password. Right. right. Very, very simple. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's thanks to Evergreen Golf Call, who's the title sponsor of our madness madness presented by evergreen golf call why are they the title sponsor why are the is the premier wealth manager in the northwest or title sponsor because they came to me i came to them and we decided that they were going to give away three trips to cities where they have offices Mm -hmm. napa valley san francisco portland so three getaway trips are the grand prize now here's the deal it's very simple they're going to give us three guys three wealth managers can three wealth managers fill out a bracket? I don't know. You gotta beat. You gotta beat the evergreen wealth managers. Right. The top three that beat them get the three getaways. Okay. But thanks to Zeke's and Daniels and Mitch Merchandise, we've got we've got forty four prizes. We are awarding the top forty four finishers with something cool, something good, whether it's a gift card from Zeke's Pizza right. for free pizza yeah. or it's the new Mitch merchandise. Mm-hmm. Ask me. What do you got there, Mitch? I have no idea. You- <laughs> I'm still negotiating. I'm still trying to figure that it out. That was deflating. I was. I, I don't know you, I thought you were coming I with I got the- a couple good things. Okay. I think. Okay. The kids love them. All right. You know how I know- The kids love them. I have to go to Max and Brett yeah. and say, is this a cool idea yeah, yeah. or not? And there's the- I don't want to say Okay. It. I don't want to say. All right. There's going to be Mitch merch. Yeah, for 30 of the finishers. Right. So, so Zeke's so, top so three. Top three from uh, Evergreen. Evergreen's going to give uh, out three. The top three prizes. Three getaway mm-hmm. trips, all expense paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's going to be um, 10 gift certificates, gift cards from Zeke's Pizza, where I'll be watching the game on Friday. Friday. On mm-hmm. Friday, Washington's game in Tacoma. 
And then there's going to be 30 Mitch unfiltered merchandise packets nice. to finishers. And then on top of it all, how does Daniels figure in? Daniels Broiler is going to give a, a dinner for two to the top patron finisher. Oh. So the top patron finisher gets their own special dinner at, Dan- at nice one of touch. Daniel's broiler locations. Nice touch. And all you got to do to enter is go fill out your bracket, go to the MitchUnfiltered.com webpage, and right there at the top it says, Mitch Unfiltered Madness presented by Evergreen Golf Call. Click and fill out your bracket, and you've already kind of gone through the process. I have, yeah. It's like you said, put your name in. Puts your screen name in, your password, and uh, you're good. It pops up, gives you the brackets. They're click on, so yep. you just go right to the whatever region you want. Just keep advancing, people. Can, so, can I ask who you had in the uh, uh, yeah. in the middle square? Sure. Who'd you have in the middle square? I'm not telling you. Why? Because we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> okay. All right, but so are you going to? Are you going to? At some Maybe. point, tell, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who I'm going to have in the yeah, middle. Well, square. I know who you're going to have. Because you wanted me to place a, yeah. a wager on Yeah, that. I'm going to have the best team in the country. That's who I'm going to have. I'm going to have the best team in the country. And I'll give you a hint. Um, the one saving grace for the University of Washington is in about three or four weeks, they're going to say, great year. We made it back to the tournament. Fantastic. Mike Hopkins. We're on the right path. And yeah, while it was only a two-game tournament for us, we lost to the eventual national champions there you go episode number 31 we got to name this sucker who you got oh whose turn is it this is a it's your turn it's my i picked i picked 30 didn't i i don't remember who was 30 i honestly i've been stewie was oh that's right stewie that's right you picked stewie was all right you picked stewie this is a bad bad one to draw okay because there's so this is like you're not going to believe some of the names in this. I've one. just desti- decided that in this deal, yeah. it doesn't matter who you pick, you get heat for it. So it, yeah. it, you know, what I mean, so let's just have fun with it, and okay. we'll we'll, we'll figure right. it out. You want to? Let's start with the local yokels. Okay, I'll I'll save the obvious for last. Okay, and this is, by the way, I think going to decide the future of naming episodes. By the way. The future. The future. I'm a big fan of one guy that you're probably going to get to at the end. Just personally, I like him a lot. Yeah. But we'll, okay. we'll, we'll see. Um, local yokels. Yeah. Uh, Sonics. Sure. Jim Fox in 1973 to 75. Of course. I, I have no of idea. Of course. I have no idea. Um, your boy, Derek McKee. Loved Derek McKee. A lot of people love Derek McKee. Yeah. Wore uh, 31 from 88 to 93. Yep. Uh, Brent Barry wore sure. 31. From 2000 to 2004. And your guy, Robert Swift, wore <laughs> my guy, wore my, 31. Yeah. I don't think this is episode Swifty. Swift. <laughs> we had Stewie. I don't oh. think this is episode Swifty. I, I just don't think he's going to make it. I think that Swift might get to the finals, but I don't think he's going to yeah. make it. Yeah. There's your Sonics. Um, your Mariners, uh, not a great handful okay uh bobby ayala oh yeah stands out sure uh steve ciszek stands out and erasmo ramirez mm, are the okay. three best that i could mm-hmm. come up with at 31 mm-hmm. none of which are gonna are gonna make a, a a name for themselves on this episode the seahawks yes bam bam that's it i mean steve broussard wore it uh, don't even some need other it. nondescript guys even. cam chancellor yep. four-time pro bowler just incredibly popular Seahawk player for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. 
were 31, and he goes straight to the final selection. And this is why I say this episode may determine the future if we ever do this again. Because okay. if we're going to do – well, let's move on to the, uh, to the, to the national to the, Yeah, because we're going to have to – So mm. I'll just give you the ones that are honorable mentions that are not going to make it. And in the NFL, Jamal Lewis, the running back for the Ravens. Nope. Donnie Schell, who was a great safety yep. for the Steelers, not nope. going to make it. In hockey, Grant Fuhr, not going to make it. Billy Smith was a great hockey player, not going to make it. Uh, how about an NBA? I got one NBA or for you, and you're going to tell me you loved him. That's I just I just feel like you're going to tell me you loved him. Five time NBA All Star, three time All NBA third team. Um, I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's see here. Uh, his number thirty one was retired by the Indiana Pacers. He scored twenty five thousand points and was one of the greatest three point shooters that ever lived. He wore number 31. You liked him. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. He was an assassin. <laughs> so, if you had to go Ooh. Reggie Miller versus Cam before I get to baseball. No, how, don't do how that. Would you, how don't, would you feel about that. that? Nope. Okay. Nope. All right, so there's your NBA-er. Okay. And then we get to baseball. And this is un- there are some unbelievable choices in baseball that okay. were 31. Not necessarily in any order. 12-time All-Star. NL Rookie of the Year, 10-time Silver Slugger Award winner, fourth ballot Hall of Famer. He hit 427 home runs. He had over 300 in his career. He is Mike Piazza, number 31 of... The Mets, Dodgers. You name it. Yeah. Hall of Famer Mike Piazza, 1,335 RBIs. Mm -hmm. All right? There's a 284-game winner and a member of the Hall of Fame he was around forever. He had over 3,000 strikeouts, played for the Phillies, the Cubs, the Rangers, the Red Sox, the Rangers again, the Cubs. His 31 is retired in Chicago. He was Ferguson Jenkins, mm-hmm. National Baseball Hall of Famer, Ward number 31. Um, I've, got a, I've got a 12-time All-Star. Hit 283, but had 3,000 base hits, had 465 home runs, was a 1, 2, 3, 12-time All-Star, a World Series champion, a seven-time gold glove. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He played for the Padres, Yankees, Angels, Jays, Twins, and Indians. He was a great all-around athlete, number 31. You know him as Dave Winfield, who wore number 31. Okay. Pretty good basketball player in his own right. Good basketball yeah. player. And then there is this guy. Eight-time All-Star, World Series champion, four-time Cy Young Award winner, 18-time Gold Glove Award winner, 18 <laughs> times. He won the MLB wins three times he won four times the era he's a first ballot hall of famer and he looks like your accountant and he's a great golfer greg maddox war number 31 355 career wins 3,000 strikeouts four cy youngs and 18 gold gloves. That's all that Greg Maddox ever did mm-hmm. in his career. Other than that, he was a very pedestrian pitcher. Mm-hmm. Other than those things, um, so there you go. There's your there's your group. You've got Reggie Miller out of the NBA. You've got Maddox and Winfield and Piazza and Ferguson Jenkins 
out of Major League Baseball. Uh, you don't have much out of the NFL. Uh, and you've got Cam Chancellor. You got Cam Chancellor. If you want a local hero, it's Cam Chancellor. And I don't know who's going to decide. I guess we'll do this in the last segment. Who's going to decide? Are we deciding as a team? Or are you putting this on me to decide, or no, am I no, putting I, this on I'm, you I'm, to decide? I think this should be a joint effort. I think we should have a discussion in the last segment about okay. really, really what it should be. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention, before we go off to the Huskies, I want to mention two guys that wore 31 that I that I think need mentioning, but will not factor into the final okay. equation. Who would that be? One guy was one of my all-time favorite athletes. Really? All-time favorite athletes. And one guy you're going to say, yes, I'm glad you brought him up. Okay. Because you probably admired the other one. Okay. We'll do mine first. When I went to Syracuse and I found out about the Syracuse basketball program, there was one guy that everybody wanted just to shake his hand. He was a magician. He was was Syracuse basketball. Mm. He was number 31, and I ran into him in my fr- on my first day in campus. My R- first really? day. I ran into him at the bank of all places. I was, I was yeah, opening my first ever. Because he was getting paid. <laughs> he was at the bank because he was cashing checks. This is a true story. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you is a true story. What I'm about to tell you is a true story. Oh, It's my first day on campus, and I have a second story for the last segment about the same day, two stories, same day. My first day stepping on the Syracuse campus as a freshman. I had just been greeted by Mike Tirico, my new peer advisor, who was going to tell me <laughs> what classes I had to take. Yes. And as most students do, maybe they don't do it anymore. Uh, they don't maybe have to go to the bank. In 1985, I had to go to the bank. My sure. dad and I went to the bank, mm-hmm. the, the bank that was right the off local of campus, bank, yeah. the local bank. Yeah. And as you would imagine, everybody's there. The line is like this, is like this winding S-curve line. Every every kid in the world is there to set up a bank account. Mm-hmm. And the line is just like, you're going to be in that line for a long mm. time. And the door swung open. I kid you not. The door swung open. I'm standing in the back of the line. And in walked Pearl. And he went right to the commercial only line. He walked right by everybody. Like I said. Right to the cur- <laughs> They opened up a special little – he was not standing in anybody's line. Now, he wasn't a fresh, a freshman, but he had to do some business yeah. at the bank. And they and knew he, him. They, oh, yeah. Oh, they knew him. Oh, the pearl. Yes. And he passed away recently. Yes, he did. And uh, he was just an idol of mine. I just loved the pearl. And he wore number 31. Now, I know the pearl's not going to have the name after him, but I wanted to mention that. The other 31 that I wanted to mention to you – was a former Franklin High School basketball star mm-hmm. who went off to the University of Arizona where he won a national championship. And I know that it, it burned a lot of people up when he chose to leave town yeah. to go to Arizona over staying here yeah. locally at the University of Washington. You probably know him personally. If yes, probably. and he, was, he would have been... JT a, was he, 31. He would have been a freshman along with Donald Watts when I was a senior had he come. Instead, he went to Arizona and I played against him instead of with him. Did we think he was coming? There was any chance? Oh, he was yeah. It was the partner. It was those two guys were going to be the backcourt of Washington's future. Yeah. And then in that next year, Jason went on to win a national title in 97 with Arizona. Yeah. Pretty good move then by him. Well, yeah. And he did okay in the NBA he for did. a few years. A lot of yeah. years. So I did want to mention 31. Sure. Uh, Jason Terry. All right. Brackets. <sighs> Drum roll. 
the University of Washington is the nine seed in what, the Midwest region? The University of Washington is in the field, Mitch Levy. They are in the field, Midwest region, nine against Utah State. They're going to face Utah State Mm -hmm. at 340, you said, on Friday afternoon. Uh, People maybe are going to go to Columbus to be with you. Mm -hmm. Those that aren't can be with me at Zeke's. Uh, at the University of Washington Tacoma campus, the new Tacoma location of Zeke's. I'll be tweeting all the information out to watch the game. Um, I want to. I want to take a step back because the last time you and I visited was just before the the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, they went to the tournament. We wondered whether they needed to win a game or two. They won two. They took care of some business in the in the in the first two yeah. games. Then they ran into a hot Oregon team who beat them up. They, they looked terrible. There's no disguising that. Washington looked awful in that final game, and they looked awful against Oregon the last time they played them in the, in, in se- on senior night at the it UW. Did. And so I just saw a lot, of, a lot of criticism, a lot of bitching and moaning, a lot of people down on Washington on social media. They stink. We'll wait till next year. They should be in the NIT. They obviously have you know, have no chance to win a game in the yep. tournament. And by the way, I don't think any of that is true. Mm-hmm. Any of that is true. But that's not what I want to say here. Mm-hmm. What annoyed me as I as I watched the game on Saturday night and then watched the reaction to the game, and I want you to kind of pick up the ball and run with it, is I feel like shame on us. And I'll put myself in the mix for being too hypercritical of this basketball team in the mm-hmm. wake of a loss to Oregon or the late wake of the loss the last couple of games of the of the Pac-12 season. Do I need to jolt everybody into some reality here? And I'm not one who's big on moral victories. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big guy on moral victories in sports. The University of Washington is back in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. The University of Washington's name popped up yes. on Selection Sunday on yes. CBS. Yes. Mike Hopkins took over a program. What was the record the two year and, that he two and sixteen in league? Two and sixteen. Nine and twenty two. Nine and twenty two. And in two years, both years where he ends up Pac twelve coach of the year, yep. he takes essentially the same group of guys with a couple of additions here and there, and he takes them to the NC they're going to the NCAA tournament. Have we lost sight of how exciting and how how positive and how thrilled we should be as Washington Husky basketball fans. It seems to me that there's a lot of people, maybe I'm speaking to the minority, it seems to me there's a lot of people that got so enthralled in the roller coaster, in the Pac-12 sucks, and oh my God, they were stinky against, or oh my God, they lost to California, how good can they be? And, oh, look at how they played in the fun. It seems like everybody has lost a little bit of perspective here on how exciting it is to be back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since, would you say, 2011? 11. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. It's unbelievable. Could not agree with you more. And, and absolutely, it had everything to do with the loss at Cal. The loss at Cal changed the perception of people like, how could you lose to Cal? This is unbelievable. If I wasn't concerned about you staying up all night having to not edit the show, yeah. but produce the show and check the box, yeah. I would be cursing right now. It's absolute bull something. Baloney snot. Exactly. Yeah. That people are taking shots at these, these kids and the program in comparison to where it was and where it is right now. It's, it's ridiculous. 
I, I got to, I mean, I can show you my timeline of, of people like, oh yeah, but, and oh yeah, but, and oh yeah, oh yeah, but what? Oh yeah, but we're back in the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, but kick rocks, pound sand, whatever you have to, whatever that expression is, do that. Because at the end of the day, you can't take away the, the Pac-12 champion, regular season champion. By about six games. Yeah, yeah. The finals. Right. They didn't play well. Oregon, listen, Oregon is very, very good. Just because they lost Bull Bull, they lost Kenny Wooten for a portion of the season. They were the favorite to win going into the season. They're a very, very good team. And, and just because Oregon handled Washington twice in, in close proximity, it was like the world fell apart and now the season should just stop and, oh, we're not going to be in the postseason. Get a life. We just talked about earlier that Selection Sunday might be a top five sports calendar day all year long and the university of washington's name was called people were sitting there waiting so all the naysayers and everybody were you watching or were you not watching were you invested or were you if you were invested stop complaining stop complaining because today gave you some joy to see washington's name called if you're a washington fan and i'd like to thank the committee because washington was a nine and Syracuse was an eight, and they had every opportunity <laughs> totally. to throw them right in the same game, and they and they had a little mercy on me. And to put them in the West to face Gonzaga, yeah, <laughs> which which would have been oh, the no. ideal thing to do. My Syracuse, Washington exploded. in the West with Gonzaga as the one. So uh, don't forget to fill out your brackets at MitchUnfiltered.com. We've got our bracket contest, our first ever bracket contest presented by Evergreen Golf Call. I've got a couple of interviews for you. We've got Dave Amon from Bracketville who's going to tell you how he did. He's going to give you some, some diamonds in the rough. If you're looking for some help to fill out your bracket, you're going to get help from somebody who follows it as closely as anybody in our next segment. Also a head coach, the head coach of North Dakota State, Dave Richmond is going to be our guest on episode number 31. And then you and I have to figure out, we got to figure out Rory McIlroy. Mm -hmm. We got to figure out 52 from the Greek freak. We got to figure out who we're naming 31 after. We've got some story. I got a great story to tell you in our last segment on episode 31. Hopefully by now you're aware of the first ever unfiltered madness contest that's ready right now for your brackets. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. And there is no contest, believe you me, without the amazing partnership of Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. You know, I asked those guys to put up the grand prizes, and they didn't hesitate for a second. It was yes, yes, yes. Three trips to places where Evergreen has expanded, beat three of their prized employees, and sharp basketball minds. Kind of like Brianna Stewart dominated Tyler at the Bellevue Club a few years back, and I'm not kidding, that actually happened. You're eligible for an incredible weekend trip 4-2 to the Napa Valley, to San Francisco, or to Portland. Airfare, rental car, hotel accommodations, and all the top 44 finishers in our bracket contest will win prizes. Evergreen Golf Call not only cares about this community, but wants this podcast to be ultra successful for a long time to come, and I couldn't be more thankful, as should you. Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
Well, all these weeks, we've been visiting Brackettville and Dave Amon. He's the best, as I've told you over and over and over again. He won't tell you, so I'll tell you. Statistically, the best bracketologist that there is in America over the last five years. You can see it on Bracket Matrix, how they rank everybody. And here he is on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Dave, we have the bracket. There it is. I'd like you to tell us how, uh, how you did this year. Well, overall, I uh, did pretty well. So, you know, considering we had a new net and everything, I was happy the way with the way things uh, came out. Uh, had 35 of the 36 at-large teams. Uh, the only one I missed was Belmont, which was my first team out. Um, and they got bumped out, ironically, late last night when Oregon uh, beat Washington for the Pac-12 title. So, uh, that's just one of those things that happens. And But as I said today, I am glad that Belmont made it in. I'm glad that the committee gave them a worthy consideration, and, and I'm happy for uh, uh, the kids and the coaches and everybody with Belmont but that they get a chance to uh, participate in the, in the full-scale March Madness. So just so we understand how you feel about Belmont, you were projecting that they would be out based on your knowledge of how the system has worked in previous years. If you were the committee, you would have put them in, but you just felt like they wouldn't be put in at the last minute. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, that's a fair assessment. In fact, they had been in my bracket all the way up until last night, actually early this morning, um, when Oregon one and therefore took another bracket spot and uh, ultimately uh, that is what cost Belmont in my bracket um, I, and I'm glad that they were just you know a spot or so higher on the committee's list and made it in so you got you said 67 out of 68 which is good in any year um, how would you say because I haven't compared your last bracketville bracketology to the actual bracket, how did you do in terms of seeding? Were you close on most? And I don't know how to grade that, but how would you say you did in terms of getting the right seeds next to each of the 67 or 68 teams? Well, here's the way that I did it. 42 teams were on the correct seed line. Another 20 were within one. So that would make of the 68 teams, 62 of them either on the seed or within one. And then I missed four others were – Two lines off. Okay, and so what did you have Washington in your final in your final bracket? And uh, they ended up what a nine seed in the uh, in the region facing a Utah State team with the right to go uh, to face North Carolina should they win. Where did you have Washington at the end? I actually had Washington in Columbus, but uh, as a ten seed, okay. opposite uh, Tennessee is a two seed in the South. So. Um, you know, with Washington losing again, when, when my final seed, lace, seed list came together, uh, you know, Washington fell out right at Saturday. the uh, top end of the 10 line instead of the bottom of the 9 line. So uh, that's the way these things go, but uh, I'm glad to see that the Huskies got rewarded for an overall excellent season, even if it may have not uh, had some of the big wins attached to it. I think there'd be a lot of people in our audience right now, Dave, that would say they wish that you were right because, uh, you know, long has been the case that people have thought the 8-9 game is no bargain. You'd rather be a 10 seed than an 8 or 9. What do you say to that? Well, I can understand the premise of it, obviously, because when you're in the 8-9 game, you have a, a really good opponent 
right out of the gate that in many cases, it doesn't happen every year, but an 8-9 team obviously are pretty close together in terms of their um, success during the year. And so you know you're going to have a pretty a tough matchup right out of the gate. And then if you do win it, you get a number one seed in most cases, you know, in game two. So it's hard to get into that sweet 16. You know, I don't know that a 10 is, you know, a lot better, but theoretically a two seed isn't quite as good as a one. So maybe you have a a little better chance there. Um, The other side of a 10 though, is usually the seven seeds are a little bit better than the eight. So, I don't know, take your pick. I would probably choose to be a 10 over a 9 if I had my choice, I guess. But at this point, and given the way things played out, uh, Washington's in the tournament, and once you're in, everybody has a chance. Just ask UMBC. So tell me what you think of Utah State. A lot of people in our audience will be wondering, what does Dave Amon, what does Brackettville feel about Utah State, where they're seated, what kind of team Washington is facing in the first round, Dave? Well, I think, uh, you know, from what I've been able to see of Utah State this year, they're they're a good shooting team. Uh, They share the ball. They have, you know, a couple of guys who can really make threes. So, um, you know, in terms of a scoring situation, it could be a little bit of a, you know, a challenge for the Huskies in that regard. But I don't think they're going to overwhelm you with, you know, athleticism or size or things like that. So, um, all in all, it should be a good matchup uh, and should be a fun game to watch. And you saw Utah State as a nine. I see that they have a nine seed in your final bracket. So if they're anything, they're a little bit overseeded, I guess would be the right expression, right? Yeah, and, and you know, uh, we've talked enough this year, Mitch, you know, an eight and a nine, a lot of them are interchangeable. And in yeah. some cases, yeah. you know, the seed list required, uh, you know, one team to bump one way or the other. You know, most teams in there obviously are in that 8-9 game either because they've had a, a good year from maybe not a power conference or in a situation where they've been in a power conference but maybe they just either didn't have the, the resume or they were a little bit up and down, uh, you know, for teams that fall a lot of times in those 7-10 to 10 games. At the top of the bracket, Dave Amon in Bracketville on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline on the uh, on the top of the bracket, Dave, you were right on the on the money, four for four. There was a lot of speculation as Selection Sunday wore down who would be that final number one. You went with Gonzaga. They went with Gonzaga. Speak to the issue of Tennessee and Kentucky being left off and into the twos as opposed to Gonzaga reaching the number one line. Well, ironically, uh, on Sunday morning, and uh, I actually started out with Tennessee on the one line after their win over Kentucky. Um, and I went back and forth this morning whether I thought Gonzaga would hold on to it or whether I thought Tennessee uh, could get it. But ultimately, as the day wore on um, and Tennessee uh, didn't play its best game against a very hot shooting Auburn team, I reverted back and just thought that, you know, the overall excellence of Gonzaga this year, I figured that the, that the committee would probably end up rewarding that, and they did. It's never going to be an apples-to-apples comparison when you're talking about a team like Gonzaga who, outside of the non-conference, doesn't have the same chance to pile up wins. But Gonzaga is one of the only teams this year uh, to beat Duke at full strength. They did that out in Maui. Uh, they played a, you know North Carolina close on the road, and then they lost a close game to Tennessee. So 
all in all, I think Gonzaga is very deserving. Their metrics also, if you're into that sort of thing, play out in terms of their efficiency. And, you know, whether they make the Final Four or not isn't really a fair assessment to say, well, they should have been a one seed or not, because in any given year, it, it very rarely happens that all four number one seeds make the Final Four anyway. Do you think that Gonzaga got the weakest number two, Dave, in Michigan in their region, the West region? Yeah, actually, I believe, and I don't have it in front of me, but when the NCAA selection committee released their actual seed list, I believe Michigan was eight. So it struck me a little bit odd that, for example, they wouldn't have swapped Michigan and Michigan State as a, as a way to balance the region out, if you will, and put Michigan State out west, which would have made more sense to me than being six on the seed list and then putting Michigan at eight opposite Duke. Um, and then you have, you know, your, your third seeds, and then you fill in. Um, and I haven't added up all the numbers, but what the committee will do is after they see the top four lines, they'll add up those seed numbers, and they want them to be within a certain margin of each other so you don't have, you know, one region that ends up being overly strong or overly weak, at least compared to the seed list. Now, having said that, Michigan's a really good basketball team and has been all year. Their bugaboo has just been Michigan State, it seems. So I don't mean to say that somehow Michigan is a whole lot less than anybody else on the two-line. That one just surprised me a little bit that they wouldn't have put Michigan State out there. Who's the most surprising seed in the entire tournament, whether you felt like they would be much lower or you felt they would be much higher? Which which number surprised you most of the field of 68, Dave? Well, I think at the end that probably the two that, that maybe stick with me uh, the most were, you know, VCU still being on the eight line, um, given that they lost to a Rhode Island team. And there's some question about um, the availability of one of their players now for the tournament. Uh, from what I understand, he's supposed to be probable, so maybe that played into the committee's decision. And then the other one maybe that seemed a little bit more off to me would have been Seton Hall staying as a 10, just given the way that they've played over the last three weeks. Now, you know, in fairness, they did have some dings on their resume, and they had to do some work. But when you look at how they performed down the down the close, that's going to be an awful, an awful tough opening round game for Wofford to play uh, Seton Hall right out of the gate. When I've talked to bracketologists over the years, they all tell me I spend all my time trying to figure out what the bracket should look like. I'm not very much of a, of a predictor. I got to give you a shot at this, Dave. Uh, fill out the bracket for us a little bit. Tell us uh, who's, who's, your, who's your final four. Or haven't you gotten to that point yet? Have you taken a good, strong look at it? Well, maybe not there, but but I'll give you some teams that, that I do think are capable of maybe making a little bit of a run. Okay. You know, and, and then we'll kind of go from there. So, you know, Iowa State um, started the year with some, some guys injured and got them back and then played well and then had a little bit of a lull, but they kind of refound their groove at the Big 12 tournament. So, you know, they're maybe, in my opinion, a little under-seeded as a six out in Tulsa. Uh, with a game against Ohio State, I would like him in that matchup. And then, actually, I think in a high-scoring game, them and Houston would be a whole lot of fun um, in round two. I think Villanova as a six in the South region, 
you know, as a, as a dangerous team to, to come out and potentially play uh, Tennessee in a Sweet 16 matchup. And I say that only because you have a couple of seniors on that team that will just die very hard. They've been through the wars. They've won a couple of national championships, and so they're going to be a hard out. You know, I really like Florida State in the way they're playing right now. It would not surprise me at all to see them uh, get a matchup with uh, Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 out in Anaheim. I also think, you know, Texas Tech maybe, you know, they were playing really well and then just did not have a good game against West Virginia. And so sometimes uh, people forget about a team like that. Um, You know, but they have a draw and could easily have a chance to play Michigan, um, you know, in a Sweet 16. And that would be a heck of a game, and it would not shock me at all if if the Texas Tech is hitting shots to get to an elite level or an elite eight game or even make a run at the Final Four. In terms of just first-round matchups that are fun, I don't know you're going to find one better than Murray State and Marquette. Love it. When you get to see Marcus Howard and John Morant go at it, uh, that's going to be must-see TV right there. So book that one down for late Thursday afternoon, I believe. Uh, set your DVR, whatever you got to do, because uh, that one has all sorts of fun written over it. Um, and then, you know, in your neck of the woods, out that way, you know, you can say what you want about the Pac-12, but, but Oregon, at the end of the season, started playing a little bit more like the Oregon team we thought we were going to see at the start of the season. And so they're uh, going to be no picnic at all for for uh, Wisconsin out of the gate, and it would not shock me at all if that's one of the 12-5 upsets uh, early on in the tournament. Who are you picking to win at all? Well, you know, it's awful hard with Duke at full strength to, to pick against the Blue Devils, but I, I do think if someone's looking for another alternative to that, I would say the other team right now that's probably playing, you know, uh, 1A would be North Carolina. Um, you know, and if they get another matchup with Kentucky in the Midwest in Kansas City for an Elite Eight, that that one will be could be one of the highlights of the tournament. So if you're looking for someone other than Duke as a number one, uh, you know, maybe North Carolina. If you're going to take a, a run on a team a little bit further down on a flyer, you know, maybe a team like Texas Tech, you know, to to get there because they they play defense that goes from game to game, and if they get it rolling on offense, um, they can certainly make it uh, make it tough. I just want to say thank you, Dave. You have been so kind. We launched this podcast, this project, back in November. I didn't know what I was doing. I needed some people to help, and you are one of the people that really, really did step up and help me from week to week. You do a spectacular job. It's bracketville.wordpress.com. You're great on Twitter, Bracket Guy Dave, and you've been incredibly gracious with your time and your flexibility with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you so very much. I, I can't wait to visit with you as we go along, and next year is another year, and you'll, you'll, you'll be getting my phone calls, Dave. I hope you know that. Well, I, I look forward to it, Mitch, and I really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, these kind of things and talking hoops and interacting with fans is, you know, really what makes this fun. I mean, you know, putting the back bracket together and, and see how you do is, is great, and hopefully it turns out well, but it's the community of fans uh, that that really kind of energizes you and keeps you going. So I appreciate you reaching out and uh, 
always happy to have conversations, and best of luck going forward. So there he is, Dave Amon of Brackettville, who's been so kind and terrific to Mitch Unfiltered the entire college basketball season. And so now we know, Friday, 3.40 p.m., call it a late lunch, an early dinner, Liner at Zeke's Pizza Tacoma, or Dunch on the UW Tacoma campus. That's where it'll all be, one of the newest Zeke's Pizza locations. Join me, come watch the Washington-Utah State game and the other games that are going on in the NCAA tournament at the same time. I went up to the Bothell location last Thursday for the Washington-USC Pac-12 tournament game. I met the Grembos, Chad and Lauren, had a great time, and I got to admit, I kind of fell for the Cherry Bomb Pizza I had never had it before. Mama Lil's peppers, Italian sausage, Parmesan, and fresh basil. So I think that's my Friday selection while I cheer on the dogs in their first big dance game since 2011. It's at 1702 Pacific Avenue, Tacoma. So to all the bosses in the Northwest, all the managers and presidents and CEOs, let your great employees out of the office a few hours early on Friday. If not the Tacoma Zeke's Pizza where I'll be, find another one and enjoy great pizza, a terrific assortment of craft beer, and support Zeke's, which has been a big reason that I've been able to bring you Mitch Unfiltered. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Well, about four years ago, we had our next guest on our radio show, and he was a wet-behind-the-ears first-year head coach taking his team to the NCAA tournament. And here we go again. North Dakota State is on its way. Summit League champions coach David Richmond. Do you remember those days when you were so young you didn't know what was going on? Man, hopefully it's dried up a little bit now, Mitch, behind the ears. But uh, certainly <laughs> I remember it. When you, when you get to experience an NCAA tournament, like we've been fortunate to do now multiple times. You never forget those moments. You knew you were going to see your name. What's it What's it like the second time around for your program? You know, for me, it's you know, it's a little bit more of a, you have a little bit better pulse of what to expect. But again, for me, but the other piece of that is it's a brand new group. None of the guys that are on this current roster were fortunate to experience it that first go. And so for me now to to be a witness for these guys to experience and not only just to experience but to, to accomplish their dreams, it's really, really rewarding as a head coach. When you saw your name on that line that said Dayton, were you surprised? Were you disappointed? Are you okay with it? Neither, any of those. We're great with it. We're in the NCAA tournament. As our guys keep saying, we dancing. And, and that's the most important thing. The goal is to get there. Once you get there, anything can happen. And so we had, we had a big party, a watch party. Bison Nation showed up. It was awesome. And we addressed it even beforehand that, that whether we're in Dayton or wherever, we're, wherever we are or whoever we're playing, we're excited to be there and look forward to competing. Tell me about your squad that we're going to see when we all watch you, many of us for the first time on that. I guess it will be Wednesday in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, it's a squad that just um, is, is really embraced the journey, has been our slogan all year. Uh, we knew going in, we don't have a senior on the roster, Mitch, and, and so we knew there was going to be some trials and tribulation. You throw in, we played the 30th, 30th toughest non-conference schedule, and, and it wasn't just who we played, uh, Gonzaga, Iowa State, East Tennessee State, Montana. It wasn't just who we played, but when we played them, where we played them, it was tough. And then we, we play about nine, ten guys, which we've been – uh, which has really helped us down the stretch. But two of those top nine guys were out with injuries, and so that probably set us back. But uh, we got our tails kicked in in Brookings at South Dakota State on January 24th. And really after that, 
we kind of cleaned some things up in a, in a team meeting and went out and got a great road win at Oral Roberts and won five in a row. And, and we feel like we've been playing a, a really good brand of basketball down the stretch. And, and obviously when our best was needed uh, in, the be, in the best possible time, we, we played it in, in Sioux Falls. And uh, that's what got us here today. You know, I know that the only thing that you're worried about is getting your guys ready to go to the NCAA tournament, to enjoy themselves, to play a good game in Dayton, to try to continue on with your season. But there's no denying that there's that four-letter word on the other on the other line. Your reward, if you win, is a pretty prominent university. Did you smirk? Did your guy smirk? What's the reaction to seeing the Duke Blue Devils over there? Yeah, I think I've heard of that program. I think I've heard of that coach. Uh, they're they're pretty darn good, absolutely. But again, I know this is coach speak. I know this is cliche, but our focus is a uh, is a hundred percent on North Carolina Central. And if we're we're fortunate enough to win on Wednesday night, uh, you know we'll look forward to flipping the page onto somebody new. What do you know about North Carolina Central? Any anything? It's a long ways away from uh, from Fargo. You know, don't know much other than they're obviously a very good basketball team, well coached. If you're playing this time of year, if you're in the NCAA tournament. You've got some talent, you're well coached, and you've got some discipline to do the right things down the stretch, and so we expect nothing but a great challenge on Wednesday night. It's going to be so much fun for all of us that watch, but some of the great stories are some of the lesser-known programs, some of the lesser-prominent coaches. You know what? Everybody can smile and laugh about Coach K, but hey, I'm rooting for Coach David Richmond. That's who I'm rooting for on, on Wednesday, and I'd like to see you shaking Coach K's hand uh, just before the game on that Friday night. In the, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So go get them in Dayton on, on Wednesday, and let's see if we can get you into that great matchup with those Duke Blue Devils. Hey, that makes two of us. And again, you know, same thing as, as last time. We really appreciate you having us on, and we're just really excited to be a part of March Madness. All the best to you and, and your listeners. Coach David Richmond of North Dakota State, who will play in the first four on Wednesday. And should they win, North Dakota State gets the reward of the Duke Blue Devils. World-class hospitality. I say this all the time because I believe it. Daniel's Broiler is a special restaurant. One of the things that I think that makes Daniel's special is their belief in world-class hospitality. Of course, you expect the excellent steaks and seafood at Daniel's. Of course, you want world-class views, and you expect a Wine Spectator Best of Excellence Award-winning wine list and premium service. But if Daniel's doesn't make you feel special, What's the point? We live in a time when hospitality is becoming a lost art in restaurants, and that's a shame. When you go to Daniel's Broiler, your needs come first. That starts with world-class hospitality. Daniel's goal is to make every guest feel like they are part of the Daniel's family, and that goes way beyond just being polite. How you're treated is just as important to Daniel's as the excellence of their food. Locally owned by the Schwartz family, located at South Lake Union, Leshine Marina, Bellevue Place, and now at the new downtown Hyatt Regency, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. What do you know about Utah State? What do you know about the Aggies of Utah State? You played against the Aggies probably in your college career. No? No. They weren't, in the, they weren't in the league back then. Okay. This is called the Mountain West Conference. Yeah. And which is essentially the league that I played in when I was at San Diego State. 
but now it's changed, right? Okay. BYU was in the league. Now they're in the West Coast Conference, right? Yeah. It was BYU. But Utah State is now currently in when I was at San Diego State, yes. And did you ever go to Columbus to call a NCAA basketball game? Oh, why would you bring that up? Why would you? Yes, I did. And it was a fantastic NCAA tournament game. Nate Robinson led University of Washington 2004 UAB 102 to 100. Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson. What do they call it? 30, 40 minutes of hell. 40 or minutes. He's a he's a Nolan Richardson. Actually, yeah. he's the head coach at Arkansas now. Yeah. But he was a former player. So they played on this floor. Probably a different court. Probably a different court at this point. Yeah. Different I mean, arena that was, now. That was. They played years a 100. Ago. It was March, I think, 20th. 2000 and what I say Four. 2004 mm-hmm. it was the first NCAA tournament game that you ever called as a broadcaster as a broadcaster and they played a 102 to 100 game they scored a hundred yeah. and lost yeah that's got to be one of they got to be one of five teams oh. in the history of the a hundred points and, and lost lose. they lost 102 to 100 in a game in Columbus um so what do you know about Utah State not a ton I watched a little bit of the San Diego State game Here's what I know about Utah State after doing a little research. A 28-6 and six in the Mountain West Conference. Here are some interesting results. They beat St. Mary's by 17 out of conference. They played Arizona State out of conference yep. in a tournament and lost by five. They lost by 15 to BYU out of conference. They lost to Houston out of conference by 10. So they've got a 28-6 and six record. But they lost a lot of the big games against bigger teams, sure. bigger opponents, NCAA tournament caliber teams, except for one. Fresno. No. Oh, out of conference. Well, I'm talking about one big opponent, one big <laughs> opponent, and that's Nevada. Nevada. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they played Nevada twice, that same top 10, top 15 sure. ranked Nevada team that Washington played in that exhibition game a million years ago. Um, they lost to Nevada by 23 the first time they played them. This is Utah State I'm talking about. They played them again, and they beat them by f- they beat them by five mm-hmm. when Nevada was the 12th ranked team mm-hmm. in the country. That that's their signature win. Yep. In fact, there was some controversy after the game. I watched the highlights. The crowd came f- flying onto the floor. And Nevada was pissed. They didn't let him get off the floor in time. One guy put his hand through an extinguisher glass and cut his hand open. Nevada's coach was pissed. He didn't come out for the press conference afterward. Musselman, I guess Mm -hmm. his name. Eric Musselman. Yeah, yeah. Eric Musselman. So um, that was their signature win. They were hoping, everybody was hoping, that they'd play him again in their tournament. But Nevada got upset by... San Diego State mm-hmm. before they ever face. So that's who. So so Utah State is a twenty-eight and six team that's lost pretty much all of its big games against big-time opponents, except for the one against Nevada that they won yep. on their home floor. Who's their star? A guy named Sam Merrill is the guy that you're going to call on Friday in Columbus. Six-five junior guard. He averages 21 points, four rebounds, and four assists. He shoots 91% from the line. He shoots 38% from three. And in his last four games, he's had 29, 38, 23, 24, and 22. Those are his last four games. Yeah. They're the star, Sam Merrill. Down the stretch in that San Diego State game, when, when he was fouled and went to the line, it was auto. And he he didn't even look like he flinched at all. It was same rhythm, perfect jumper. Like me. Just like, like you. Yeah. Four-foot putts. No, I mean free throws. I'll oh. go out there right now after this this episode's done recording, and I'll make 75 in a row for you right now. Right now. We'll go out and I'll make 75 in a row. 
I, I have no words. <laughs> I have no words for that. I wish this was on video if they could see us looking at each other just like in a death stare until one of us just flinched. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, anyway, they've got a they've got a center, a freshman center from Portugal. Who blocks a lot yeah, of shots? He's shots. got a big seven-five yeah. wingspan. Yep. He's uh, he's he's really lean, um, and so he's a rim protector. You don't want to say his name. You don't want to try to. I didn't put ch- it down. You don't want to try to pronounce it. You want to you want to no, try? I don't. Okay, um, you're gonna have to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, or Ka- Castricone's gonna have yeah. to pronounce it. Uh, they shoot thirty-five and a half percent from three as a team. Is that good. that's pretty good? That's good. Right? Yeah. They shoot a lot of threes. They start three guards, but they're big guards like. This Merrill is 6'5". They got another 6'6 guard. They got a 6'3 guard. So three guards, a forward, and a center. That's what I. That's the extent of what I can tell you about Utah State. Yeah. They're pretty good defensively. They're a yeah. great defensive rebounding team. Right. So Washington obviously has to create some offense. That was the big struggle against a very, very good defensive team in Oregon. Right? In the two games against Oregon, they could not generate points. I don't think... I'm not even going to try to even compare Utah State and Oregon personnel-wise or defensively, but that's really Washington's thing. If they can score, their defense is good enough, is good enough, right? I'm not concerned about Utah State's offense as much as I am about their defense. All right, so people have already tweeted me asking this question, which is, all right, now we take the the zone on the road to the NCAA tournament. and I can promise you that Utah State – Hasn't seen a zone like what Washington... They've not seen anybody like Matisse Thibel at the top of a zone, and they haven't seen any zone that's as good as Washington's. Mm -hmm. So the people want to know via Twitter, they want to know, what about North Carolina? If we can get through this game against Utah State, what about North Carolina? Well, they've obviously seen Syracuse. And the question has been, you know, how did Syracuse's zone do against North Carolina? So I'll give you this answer, and the answer is that North Carolina beat Syracuse the zone doesn't really bother. I don't think North Carolina, where North Carolina kills the zone is offensive rebounding. They're a great offensive yeah. rebounding team. And they're also a very fast team. So they'll get down the floor in transition before you set up the zone. Look, I, I, I just hope that we see Washington versus North Carolina. To I'm, see that. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I don't give Washington very I give Washington very, very little chance to beat North Carolina mm-hmm. on a neutral floor. You never know. Yeah, you sure. never quite know, yeah. but I don't give them much of a chance. Let's just let's just concentrate on Utah State first. For sure. All right, so episode 32 will be on Thursday morning. Can we make sure that we give some picks? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm picking North Carolina to win it all right now. I'll tell you that, but I haven't, I haven't filled out the bracket mm-hmm. just yet. You, you filled out probably more of the bracket on our bracket contest page yeah. than I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 32, let's make sure 32, somehow, some way, let's make sure we give some picks For sure. on uh, on episode 32 that people will be listening to on the Thursday morning of the opening, mm-hmm. the opening Thursday morning of the NCAA basketball tournament. Rory, did you see any of Rory at the Players' Championship over the weekend? I caught, yes, over the weekend, certainly. I caught... Most of the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday rounds, um, in part, I should say, uh, between games and my own golf schedule and checking what happened. But today, just flying into – but seeing some of what happened in the Players' Championship 
Rory played well down the stretch, made some big birdies, and and deserved it. You know, he's not 30 years old. He, we've been watching him. It seems like yeah. we've been watching him for 15 Forever. years. He's not 30 years old. How about the fact that he's now won a Players' Championship, a U.S. Open, two PGAs, and a British? Needs that Masters, we'll though. We'll see you in a couple of weeks at Augusta National, and you remember the one that oh, was so heartbreaking where he he just blew it on the, Shot on like the 80, second nine. He? Well, I think it was the second nine more than anything else. Yeah. He just he otherwise he'd have he'd have the Grand Slam plus the Players Championship. Yep. Now he's got the Players Championship, which they call the fifth major. Right, um, Rory, man, he he is just one one four day stretch at Augusta National Oof. away from real real golf immortality, and he's not thirty years old. He's twenty nine years old, and I think he's every tournament he's entered this season is a top five. Oh, six, six starts, sixth is his worst yeah, finish. I mean, he's playing Can you believe ridiculous that? Ridiculous golf right now. Incredibly well. So it'll be a very interesting four days at Augusta National. Do you know what? Sorry, not to, yes. to break in. Yeah. Do you know what our relationship is like? You and Ma? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Tell me. It. I'm John Rom's caddy. Oh. And you're John. Going next. And you're John Rom. That's. Why would you say that is like the, the biggest? In, that's you don't the, realize you just so insulted that's me. That's the relationship. I'm John Rom. I'm like, hey, Mitch, we should, you know, and you're just like, no, I'm just gonna hit a. a that a, is so. <laughs> that's terrible. Because that's where I was going next. I was getting ready to kill John Rom, and now you're calling me John Rom. Uh, I just thought it was funny. I thought it was a great opportunity for me to say something nasty. Oh my God! I hope you don't really feel that no, way. No, I don't. God, John Rahm and his How about caddy. That? How about oh that? my God! And I hope is he gonna? I don't even. It, some people think he's gonna fire his caddy after he was wrong. Tell the story. So he's on like the eleventh hole. It's a par five, and he's in the trap, and he's got like a low, low, low percentage shot out of the trap. Second, second shot on the par five. He wants to go for the green and two. There's over water, water. Over water is water. Yeah. And his caddy's telling him, No, 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 no. Let's lay up. Let's play this smart and conservative. He's like, No, no. I want to do this. And he kind of overrides his caddy from the bunker. The caddy gives like a look like, what is he doing? Yep. And then he proceeds to dunk it right into the middle of the water. And then he gets out of it. And in frustration, he yells something back at his caddy like, I had confidence before. You know, something like, you're you're to, you're to I mean, it was just, it was all caught on NBC. Yeah. It was it was just miserable. And everybody's and John Rahm just seems, and, and they say that he's maturing you know, the guy has got more talent than just about anybody out there. Mm -hmm. He is a umpteen All-American. He was the, Somebody said on TV Sunday that he's always been the greatest player at his age. He was the best junior. Mm -hmm. He's the best college golfer. He was the best amateur. Yep. He's the best young player. He's the best rookie. He's a, but he's got this... He's got this wiring. He's got this competitiveness. He's got this real immature kind of emotional can handle adversity type of situation he let he gets his emotions get the better of him and it ends up costing him golf tournaments now I don't know that it cost him the players championship because the truth is I was waiting to see if he would melt down and he like bogeyed three of the first five holes he was in the yeah, lead to start the run, and he came back yeah. he was able to hold himself together and show that he's taken the next step and get and come back and get back into the lead and get back into position to win. It seems like it's one thing after the next with him from an emotion standpoint. Attitude-wise, he's the most dislikable player, in my opinion. Really? That's a pretty large opinion. In my opinion, yeah. as a young player 
since another Spaniard in Sergio Garcia. You remember Sergio early Awful. young. Yeah. And really Sergio of late. Yeah. But certainly Sergio Young, and I don't know what it is, but John Rahm has that same fire that gets it burns out of control sometimes in ways where you just go like, stop being like a spoiled child on the golf course because you're that good, right? Now you can, there's a range of people who people dislike, but John Rahm to me is in the top three, for sure. Okay, so I don't I don't argue that. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell you that, for what it's worth, how much I was actually thinking about this watching him today, I was saying to myself, you know, and this is overly simplistic, and there's probably a lot of us, probably me included in this world, that need an adjustment. Mm. You know, somebody needs to put their arm around John Rahm and try to try to rationalize in a, in a, in a quiet moment away from tournaments how lucky he is. How fortunate he is. How good he is. How good he how is. How great he could be. How, yeah. how, how, how blessed he is with the talent and the life. And and maybe take him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Take him somewhere where people are less fortunate. You know, try to jolt a little bit of reality. Maybe that would help him. Maybe somebody could emphasize to him, hey, when you're going bad on the golf course, I want you to remember this, mm-hmm. where I take you to see some some people that are less fortunate than you. Yeah, and I love watching John Rahm. I actually do, as much as I... I dislike when he goes sideways, yeah. how how disturbing that is. But I actually like watching him as a as a golf fan. Looking some of the shots and the power that he creates. Cra- and he's crazy. He's he's, he's crazy. really good. Touch. Yeah, power, he's got the whole game. He's got the whole thing, and he's always had. Yep. He always has, and he's won around the world already. Yeah. yeah. But you know, he's got to be able to control his emotions a little bit better. Otherwise, he's only going to be able to win tournaments that he blows the field away and yeah. he's great from beginning to end and he shoots 30 under par and he never has to face any kind of issues mm-hmm. he's not going to win mate because we all know that majors there's always a time or two or three in majors where you got to buck up For and sure. it's not going your way yep. and you got to be able to get yourself back and until he's able to handle it a little bit better i don't see him winning majors mm-hmm. all right before we name it um, and we tell everybody to make sure they fill out their brackets. Yes. First ever Mitch Unfiltered Madness presented by Evergreen Gov Call. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com, fill out your brackets, win one of 44 great prizes by filling out your bracket at MitchUnfiltered.com. Um, I've said it. You never know what happens. The NCAA tournament is very unpredictable. Anybody could win. A lot of these teams, probably there's probably 15 or 12 or mm-hmm. 10 teams that can win it. I just have a real I've liked North Carolina since about midway through the season. I think they're the most upset proof of any team in the in the in the bracket. And the reason I say that is because they get up and down the floor, they they play a lot of possessions, they expand the game, they don't slow the game down. I like Duke also, mm-hmm. but I've seen Duke go so cold from 3 where they could get they could get caught if they go completely cold I from understand. three. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take North Carolina. When I finish this bracket, I'm gonna have North Carolina win it. Who, who do you have? Well, I will say I'm, I'm going with Duke, and the reason I'm going with Duke is Carolina beat Duke twice without Zion. The one time that they got him, Duke got North Carolina. Close, close, game. really, really, really when close. For, Could have gone either way. When it's for all the marbles, yeah. And it's Carolina and Duke. I think Duke wins. I will say this: I think that as good as Kentucky has played, 
Kentucky is in Carolina's bracket in the Midwest. Okay. Kentucky's not as dangerous to me as Michigan State is to Duke. So if you're saying who would get caught, I could see because I think Michigan State is a hotter and, in my opinion, better two. I understand why North Carolina might get there and not have to face. But Kentucky played North Carolina. Didn't Kentucky beat North Carolina early in the year? Early in the year. Yeah, they, the they're year. different. North, this Colby guy, Col- White. I think he'll be the most outstanding player in the, the tournament. tournament. I think he's going to win. That's the guy, I think. And he's a freshman, right? And he is a jitterbug. Terrific player. He, he's Terrific player. quick, can shoot it. He's a phenomenal player. All right. We've got to figure out episode 31. I'll just tell you quickly the other story about my first day ever at Syracuse when I ran into the Pearl, who was mm-hmm. 31. Mm-hmm. We were also checking into my dorm. I was going into my dorm, Sadler Hall. This was this was early September 1985. And I get into the, into the elevator. I don't know if it's my first time in the elevator or I was going up and down, bringing my trunk and my stuff. And my mm-hmm. dad was with me. We get in the elevator. And we're standing in the elevator in lobby area, and two guys get on with us. So there's four of us in the elevator. One guy is about 6'10". Okay. And the other guy is just his buddy. He's, got, he's like probably 5'10", and he's got a jeans jacket on. 6'10"? The one guy 6'10". Can I guess who that would be? No, you, you would never be able to guess. Oh, okay. So my father says, hey, guys. And, and, uh, and they look at us, hey, hey. And they're talking basketball, a little bit of basketball. And he says... So, my father, who will say anything to anybody at any at any time, says, "So you're on the team. You're on the team." He says, "Yeah, uh, my name is is Rodney Walker. Rodney Walker was a McDonald's All American. He was six nine, six ten. He says, "How big?" My dad says, "How big are you?" And he says, six nine. And my dad says, "No, you're not. You're at least six ten or six eleven. I want you to. <laughs> I want the program to say six ten or six eleven. And he, it turns out he's from like Baltimore, one of the great programs in Baltimore, and he was a high-level recruit. And he says, you know, and my dad's putting him on and whatever. And he, the guy turns to my dad, jokes back to my dad. He says, the guy that you re- – forget me. Mm-hmm. The guy that you got to really remember is this guy right here. And he points to the little guy in the 5'10 with the jeans jacket. He's like, what? what? My dad says, what's your name? And he says, Sherman. Sherman little Sherman Douglas, Douglas was, in the, was in the elevator. And uh, just taking it all in, my dad was having, and it turns out that Sherman ends up, Sherman Douglas and Rodney Walker ended up transferring and never quite made it I will, I in will, the NCAA. I will tell you, that's a very good story. I will tell you, as a, as a young, impressionable kid yeah. growing up watching Big East basketball, yeah. watching Pearl, okay, thinking... Pearl's one of the better players, point guards, guards I'd, I'd seen. And, and I was getting close to that age where I was like, this is real for me. Yeah, yeah. And then seeing Sherman Douglas become Sherman Douglas and going, I can't believe Syracuse had two guards like this kind of in succession that, you know, could play tandem basketball and be dynamic and – fun with all those St. John's teams and the Georgetown teams and just what are we doing what's the what's the end result uh we've got Cam Chancellor Cam Cam is the is the hometown heartstring pick but if we're going with who is the best 31 you took Earl I did you took Earl and he was not the best 29 well he was not the most accomplished 29 Eric Dickerson was the most accomplished 29 and I'd still disagree with that I would say Satchel Page, okay, who Satchel played Page. for forty right, but years. That's, my point was is that Earl Thomas was not 
yeah. the most accomplished 29, but you took him anyway because he was a local guy. Yeah. And either we're doing that or we're not doing that or we're doing a I'm hybrid not, of that. I'm not doing that. What are we doing here? My pick would be Maddox. Maddox over Reggie Miller. Maddox. Maddox over Maddox. Uh, Piazza. Maddox. Maddox. Greg all, Maddox. All day long. The dude paint corners, great defensive, <laughs> could hit a little bit. Yes, he could. Maddox. There's not even it's not even close as good as Reggie Miller was people are going to be upset that Cam I don't care Chancellor I'm, 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 I'm after I got so much heat over the Earl Thomas selection I'm over yeah. it I don't you get that much heat I got it heat. was 50 50 no I got personal heat <laughs> not twit not Twitter heat Aww. and personal heat you is got different. some heat oh come on you got some, you got some heat got over some heat. Over, over over naming a, an episode yeah. got some heat I'm just I'm going with who the you best know, is the best of the best. Who was your favorite Seahawk of the C, of the Pete Carroll era? If you had to wear one jersey, if I said to you, you got to wear a jersey, you're not a jersey wearer. Marshawn Lynch. He was your favorite. Yeah. Ask me the same question. Who was your favorite? Cam Chancellor. Yeah. For a combination of reasons, I love the fact that he was a an afterthought coming out in the NFL draft. He was an oversized safety. I couldn't believe the size of him when I put my eyes on him for the first time. And then when I spoke to him, and I probably spoke to him fifteen or twenty times over the years, there wasn't ever whether he was holding out or not mm-hmm. holding out, or there was never a time that I didn't look at that guy in the eyes and think this guy is too good to be true. He is mm. just as wonderful a human being. He's a better human being than he is a football player. Yeah. And then he tells me the story. You got to know the story. I'm sure you know the story. When he signed the first big contract, his mom always wanted a certain car. I don't remember what kind of car. Yeah. And so he bought a pre a used whatever it was, yeah. okay? And he said, "Mom, let's go." I'm taking you for your car. And he got in the car and he went and he brought his mom to this fancy, fancy neighborhood. They drove up to this house and the car was in the driveway. And he said, mom, for all you do, this car, this car is yours. I just bought this car. And she was so thankful and she was looking at the neighborhood and she was just so thankful. And the guy came out and he said, oh, by the way, mom, the house is yours too. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. that's probably the best story. and I didn't do the story justice yeah, you sure. can go back and find him telling you that story the tears mm. were welling up yeah I mean I just love the guy right. so this is hard for me to mm-hmm. say this isn't episode Cam Chancellor you can say that we can have a split opinion no because it's not okay I completely agree it's not Mike Piazza. I completely agree it's not Reggie Miller or Pearl Washington or Jason Terry or anybody else. I watched Greg Maddox for years and years and years, and I marveled at that guy. He could hit, as you point out. He fielded the position. He was an 18-time Gold Glove Award winner. Come on. It's episode Maddox. It's episode Greg Maddox. Done. And now... I say fill out your brackets at MitchUnfiltered.com and episode Greg Maddox is in the books.